Just a quick heads up, The Holy Hive Show does contain adult language that may not be suitable for sensitive listeners and children. From Salt Lake City, this is The Holy Hive Show. I'm Jordan Delacruz for HolyHiveUtah.com, and here with me is the producer of the show, Dan Lawler. Dan, what's good? Disney World is open. We're not there. Is that good? Oh, I guess you're probably right. Even the good is bad. The good, but you take the bad with the good. Sure. I'm happy to be here with you. Okay. That's pretty good. So today on the show, we're going to be going through a few news stories to catch up on what's been going on in the communities, and then later we're going to be having a conversation, an in-depth conversation about Pioneer Day, which falls on... Falls tomorrow, so by the time we actually get this podcast out, Pioneer Day is going to be over. But we're still going to take... Hopefully the, nothing insane happens on Pioneer Day, but yes, I know. they're going to dig into this. There's but. an enormous tragedy on Pioneer Day, and then they're like, why are they talking about the history when this horrible thing happened? No, so we're recording this on Thursday. Pioneer Day is tomorrow. Happy Pioneer Day to everybody. Uh, but when this airs, it'll be Monday, the Monday after Pioneer Day weekend. But we're still going to talk about it. Where it came from. That's called opening the kimono. Yeah. Showing you how the sausage is made. (laughs) We're going to talk about where it came from, why we celebrate it, and uh, what it means for both Mormons and non-Mormons. And just a little follow-up from last week. Thanks to everyone that consumed the podcast, subscribed to it, and followed us on Instagram. We had a lot of great feedback and support. We really, really appreciate it. Um, If you like the show, please tell a friend about it, family members, and not only like Utah citizens, but people who've transplanted away from Utah. We actually got some feedback from people that are abroad and saw it as like a, a kind of reconnection with Utah. So we thought that was really cool. So if you know anyone that you think might like the podcast, um, spread the good word. Absolutely. And also as a follow-up from last week, uh, we, we, one of our biggest discussions from last week was the usage of masks. And uh, Salt Lake County actually reported some data yesterday Despite raise, rising cases statewide, Salt Lake is actually showing lower numbers, uh, which they're attributing to masks. So masks work. It seems as if the cases throughout the state are, are kind of steadily climbing. It's not like anything crazy. Like they went from around the beginning of July, it was like averaging 250 a day through the whole state, um, excluding Salt Lake. But then you get to yesterday, they're at like 360-ish. Mm-hmm. And then Salt Lake's kind of maintained around like between 250, 260-ish, you know. So a bit of a got, slump. Yeah, not even, not, not a slump so much as just steady. Okay. Which with, with the rising caseload in general, steady is not, not exactly the worst thing in the world for us. Yeah. I'm not going to like attribute this to us or anything because we didn't have a, <laughs> no, we we're got, changing things out here with our handful of listens. Yeah. We got 15 <laughs> subscribers on YouTube, I think. And like. Hey, take what you can get. We're changing the world out here. But like since last week, I actually have seen a lot of people wearing more masks. I saw a guy today actually driving over here that was wearing one at a bus stop with no one around. And I was like, I mean, I just kind of am in the habit of it. I just kind of wear it now, you know, like I can be outside and just like, oh, I'm wearing it. Like if I'm sitting down at a park under a tree and there's no one within like 50 feet of me, I'll take it off after a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So please keep wearing your masks. Let's crush this thing. Uh, We've been in quarantine since early March. And as yeah. of today, it's July 23rd. I haven't seen a movie in a movie theater since I want to say like March 2nd. Do you remember the last movie you went to in a theater? Yeah, it was The Invisible Man. Oh, damn. Great. I, I still was, haven't seen it. It was great. It was, I, 
missed you missed out because the theater's got to be the place to watch that movie. It was so good. Uh, yeah, I got to. I, I still have to check that out. I know it's on Amazon right now, but um, yeah. I think the last movie that I saw in theaters was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I saw that with you. That's beautiful. Dying to get back into movie theaters, but since the quarantine has happened, us like most people uh, have been working from home. Yeah, and basically right now I'm kind of like working two jobs. I have a job that's video based that I I, I, um, I do video production for a company here. And then I've been trying to get all this going with the website and the podcast and all the content that we're trying to produce. And over the past week, I've been trying to get organized and figure out the best ways to stay on task with all my work. Mm-hmm. And I'm just finding that, and maybe it's because this has just gone on for so long that I felt like I was doing better with it at the beginning of quarantine. But right now I'm just having so much trouble keeping a, a line between like the leisurely part of being at home and the productive part of being at home. Yeah. And it's really like kind of making me start to question the effectiveness of working from home. And so I, I kind of just want to know like, how have you been coping with that? Um, well, full disclosure, I've been working from home full time for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that I worked from home for about 50% of the time for the two years prior to, last year when I started yeah. doing it full time. Um, so I'm coping just fine. It's, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no real change for me. Um, the only big change is that I can't really go, you know, work at a coffee shop or something. You know, I used yeah. to like to occasionally go work at, work at a coffee shop and hang out there, but mm-hmm. now I'm kind of secluded to my home. Yeah. And I can't really, I can't really, uh, leave there when I'm working. Um, but just a piece of advice, use lists, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Lists are just like the quickest dopamine rush you can get. You check something off and it's like, yeah, it feels good. That's the way that I would kind of cope with things before the whole pandemic is I would go to coffee shops to, to isolate myself from everything that's distracting about my home. And when I'm, I can get into this mode when I'm at home and I'm trying to get work done where I'm just kind of like dilly dallying Yeah, or I'm not, I'm not even like being distracted. I'm just like pacing yeah. or just like doing random stuff. And I know I can't do that in a coffee shop cause I'll look really crazy. Yes. Um, now trying to get this together and, and trying to actually like collaborate with more people, I'm kind of understanding the effectiveness of having a space where you can work with people. And I just, I'm like, I'm, co- I'm completely over. It. I now want to like go back to an office. Yeah. Social interaction is a huge thing. I think mm-hmm. most of more, more than anything, just being able to kind of like, even if it's just like being the presence of a person, you know, sometimes there have been times where I've just hopped on zoom with one of my coworkers and just like had them there while I'm working. Really? It's, it's just nice to have. Yeah. It's just yeah. nice to have. Luckily, uh, roommate Weston's cat keeps me a lot of company. Luffy. That's nice. Having a pet uh, around helps. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it is, it is, it can make you feel a little stir crazy. I most, most of my distractions, I work, from my room my bed is literally seven inches from my chair and so that's yeah. a problem but more than anything i just get distracted cleaning i yeah. clean i clean my room i clean mm-hmm. my kitchen that's where i waste most of my time during the work day that yeah that's how i ra- that's the best way to rationalize not doing any work at home yeah. it's like you're like doing i can't other work yeah i can't work in disarray <laughs> so i have to clean the kitchen i have to vacuum and do all this stuff and then i can get to work when really it's like, no, you can get to work and worry about all that stuff sure. later. Yeah, I think the biggest thing too is just like collaboration with other people. Um, I think it's kind of been put to the test with the way that we work online and the like the whole Zoom meeting thing. But 
with Zoom meetings, if like you're not engaged in the conversation, if there's like five people in the Zoom meeting and you're not currently engaged in whatever you guys, whatever you're doing, it's so easy to just like go off to your phone yeah, or like walk away and do something else. And even like some meetings that are just phone based, I like have the the meeting in my ears and I'm listening to it like a podcast while I do other things, you know? Yeah. And I think it kind of like hinders collaboration. And now I'm like dying to just get into a space where I can like, because I think there is something to be said about like, if you, if two people are working on something, just getting into a room with each other. And also when you're like collaborating with someone in kind of just like a, a closed off space, you can, there's, there's like a little bit of trust there. So you can do the dilly dallying pacing and stuff like that. And no one's going to kind of judge you. Everyone's just thinking and working and trying to find solutions for things. Uh, but now I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of flipped, but the, the other interesting thing I think about all of this and this whole, this whole pandemic has been about testing society and how we can cope with these types of things. But I really think that it kind of presents an interesting discussion about the 40 hour work week. Yeah. And a discussion has been needed, you know, for a long time, for a long time. Cause there are, I would say with my job. So like, I work in video production and I'd say that probably I'd say probably about at least half. So at least 50% of the stuff that I do could just be done from home. Yeah. Obviously I need to be places to shoot and do things like that. But, um, I think that maybe that this has kind of put us to the test and shown us that if we organize things right, we can do certain things from home and do certain things abroad. And I mean, as we'll talk about a little bit later, like even schooling could probably be done that way, but there has to be kind of a precedent set for like what work is done where. Yeah. And I think that a hybrid, a hybrid is probably the best solution, especially for a creative, you know, I do think that there are certain occupations that require a, a, you know, in-person attendance all the time, but like, it's not necessary for like a lot of what I do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I totally agree with you that that being in an office, there is like a, there is like almost like a social contract where it's like, all right, I can't just piss off my whole day. Like I, yeah, I, I do at home sometimes. So. Yeah. And I, even if you're like kind of bullshitting about what you saw on TV last night with a coworker, if a boss walks by, it looks like you guys are collaborating. Yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah, I guess maybe the social pressure does help with the whole discipline thing, but. Don't you worry, dude, we'll get you back in an office soon. Then you'll be one to work from home. To wear your, wear your mask, please. I want to go back to work. And I want to see Invisible Man again in the theater. All right, moving on to news. So Mitt Romney is back in the news, but not for anything outrageous or corrupt. He wants to extend Utah's longest hiking trail. Along with Representative John Curtis, he's introduced a bill called the Bonneville Shoreline Trail Advancement Act, which would extend the length of the trail from just over 100 miles to over 280 miles. It would ultimately stretch from the Idaho border all the way down to Nephi. So essentially what the bill proposes is that we pre-designate some state wilderness land uh, that are, they say are getting in the way of completing the trail. And apparently those wilderness boundaries both hamper the construction of the trail and use of the trail by bicyclists. Uh, for the full story, you can read the uh, article by Katia Collins on Fox 13 site. So... When I saw this, I, I, I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I'm all for turning Utah into like the Mecca of outdoor activities. It seems sure. like the right place for that. And uh, uh, I, I think it sounds cool. Like it's like we have our own Appalachian Trail, you know? Yeah. Um, but also. They should have called it the uh, No Trail Left Behind Act. <laughs> the no Trail Left Behind Act. I like it. 
Um, no bicyclists left behind. Harken back to a simpler time. Yes. Oh my God. Don't uh, like re- referring to the Bush administration as a simpler time is just outrageous at this yeah. point. It's one of those things where like you have, they're like, we want to do this one thing. We want to make this great grand trail for everyone to be able to walk in and bike. Um, but to do that, we have to start redesignating some wilderness lands. And whenever Utah gets their hands in wilderness boundaries, I always yeah. automatically kind of get skeptical. I hear you. Because we just do not have a great track record for the way that we handle wilderness. Um, so I, I would say that the whole oil, 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 there's oil on them, them hills. So as far as like, you know, creating a, a trail that goes all the way from Idaho to Nephi, that sounds like a good idea. But I think this is the type of thing that should be under heavy citizen and environmental watch to make sure the lawmakers aren't just trying to squeeze, they're not trying to squeeze out more of the wilderness, Yeah, you know? And I think I, 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 when I was researching the story, I believe the bill is online. I haven't read through it, but I think I found it. It seems to have pretty overwhelming support, at least initially. I'm sure not Mm -hmm. everyone's had a lot of time to read through it all, but. And that's what I'm saying. From what I'm, yeah, from what I'm seeing, it does seem to have pretty good support. And I don't really see anything inherently wrong with it. No. I mean, are they splitting up? Are they just kind of splitting up the wild wilderness uh, preservation areas? Or is it they're moving them entirely? Yeah, I'm not sure if the bill actually says, states which parts of the wilderness they want to dial back. Mm Because that's, that's, I think, where we'll find any issues is if, like, they're like, okay, here's a map of everywhere everywhere that we want to dial back, and the border goes like 13 miles away from the trail. Like, you just kind of need to get it out of the way. Yeah, know? they could go along the trail if you wanted to. Um, so I think that's that's what needs to be looked at. Is um, and I, I'm gonna find the bill, and actually I could probably uh, throw in the show notes um, when we post the podcast. What I want to know is, is this something that you'd use? Um, I mean, not, we've we've used the Bonneville yeah, Trail. Yeah, I've used before, the Bonneville yeah. Trail. I I wouldn't. I don't think I would ever use it in its in its entirety. No, the whole two hundred and eighty miles. No, yeah. When I was doing, when I was looking at the prep for this, I was like, two hundred and eighty miles. That's a long way. And so I was just like looking for context. It is two hundred and fifty miles from Salt Lake City to Cedar City. So, like that, that's two hundred and eighty from Salt Lake to Cedar City. Two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty. Yes, it's short. It's a. Whoa. It would be a shorter walk. For me to walk outside of this door and walk yeah. to Cedar City, then to go from wherever this thing starts in Idaho all the way down to Nephi. I don't, I don't, I just, no, I don't. <laughs> I've been on, I've been, I've driven, I've driven from, you know, Roy or Ogden to, to Idaho before. That's not the most beautiful, you know, yeah. area. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. It's not the sexiest drive. Would you? I, so I, I thought about this a lot and I'm not like, a marathon runner or an endurance runner. I don't do the, like I go rock climbing sometimes and that's like the most athletic thing that I do. Mm-hmm. I, if it was for content. So if we were like making content about this trail and we were, or we were trying to do, if it was for something, I think I would try to commit to the whole 280 miles because obviously you'd have to do it in chunks. So yeah. you just like camp out it's in like, certain spots. Yeah, Backpack it basically. But the biggest reason why I think this would, I, I would actually do it is this this trail basically goes along the bench of the mountain and from Ogden to Provo that's where most of the communities reside is like just along the bench of the mountain 
So if you're going, if you're on the Bonneville shoreline trail, you're not like necessarily out of like Grubhub delivery service. <laughs> True. It's like, if you're on the Appalachian trail, you're fighting for survival yeah. in these like vast wildernesses. And, and like, I actually looked this up. So the, the, if, if they go through with this, the Bonneville shoreline trail would be 280 miles. The Appalachian trail is 2,200 miles. Wow. And people do that all the time. It's yeah. Like a, you know, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. So I just don't know like who's, who's flying in from, from all around the country to, to, to no. go. like, I mean, the Appalachian trail is probably a bit more. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, the, that's kind of Utah's <laughs> I would, vibe. I could, I could certainly see mountain biking the yeah. 280 miles. Um, that's a long bike ride even, but like, yeah, you could realistically do it in a day if you wanted to. I would probably want to break that up into two days. You need a lot of those. Damn. Cliff bar energy blocks. Those are great. <laughs> well, that's like, that's Utah's thing is like, we're going to take what other people have done and we're going to do it not bigger, but in our own way. Yeah. It's just like, everyone's got an amusement park. We've got Lagoon. And so it's like, you got the <laughs> Appalachian trail. We got the Bonneville shoreline trail. It's only 280 miles and you can have in and out delivered to you on the trail. And I'll, that's honestly, that's, that's the, that's probably the biggest thing that would get me to do it is like, if you're on the trail, a little detour to swig is not like out of the question. <laughs> so I think it would be actually pretty easy. You get a dirty diet coke. Yeah, yeah, you get a dirty diet coke on the trail, which I don't think you could do on the Appalachian Trail. I think you literally like people die on that trail. Yeah. Um so oh yeah, and then here's my other idea. Okay. Uh if they create this trail 280 miles from Idaho to Nephi, we make another bill. That restricts all marathons and triathlons and bike races to be just on that trail. So the Salt Lake Marathon is just on a stretch of the Bonneville Shoreline Trail. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of broken ankles. Yeah, you clean it up. All right. You get, let's pave it. All right. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, let's just, <laughs> let's pave it. Let's make it. Let's, because I think if we just moved all marathons and all running events that block off Blocks and blocks and blocks of city streets. Can we put the can we put the uh, days of forty seven parade there too? Exactly, and they can do Get it like the fuck out of here, please. If we don't, if we don't, if we don't pave it, then they can do an old school style where they're they're pushing covered wagons on this dirt trail. Yeah, and aesthetically, I think it would look a lot better. That's a parade I would watch. I would be I would wait for like you know a, a broken spoke. And yeah, then the, the parade is postponed for two hours while they get it back up and running. But th th then we have the realism of it. Okay, moving on to the next story. This comes from Lee Davidson at the uh, Salt Lake Tribune. Um, so have you seen those those uh, road signs above the freeway? And, and every now and then they'll post like yeah. 50 fatalities. Yes. Have been, uh, we, 50 people have died on Utah roads mm -hmm. this year. So according to a study by uh, Jonathan D. Hall of the University of Toronto and uh, Joshua Madsen of the University of Minnesota, the electronic messages that report fatalities on Utah freeways could be causing more accidents than they prevent. This is research that they did in Texas, which uh, does the same. They kind of have the same practices with their Department of Transportation, where they post messages about um, how many people have died on Utah roads. But researchers found that crashes uh, increased by just over 2% within six miles downstream of when the messages are posted. Um, so I've seen these messages and. Does it have you thinking about death? Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder if it's more, I don't ever, I don't, they don't particularly affect me consciously. 
That's the thing. I wonder if it's like more of a subconscious thing where you're just like accidentally being less cautious with your driving because you're like your mind is kind of wandering a little bit. I found it so interesting in the article. It mentions that they didn't have the same, there weren't the same statistics about car accidents if it didn't, if it wasn't a, a death poll. Yeah. They say like with the joke ones that Utah likes to do or just kind of the general mm-hmm. like congestion ahead yes. type thing, like they don't have the same effect on people's, people's abilities to drive. And uh-huh. I find that so interesting because I'm always seeing people just like post pictures of the jokes. I think mind, I find that so counterproductive for, you know, the Utah Department of Transportation to be putting up jokes on on the freeway that have people just whipping out their cell phones that are literally saying like, don't whip out yeah. your cell phone or like put a seatbelt on. It's like, Oh, I got to get this on Reddit. Uh, in, in the past, like three years, 70% of the time when something viral from Utah, like hits the front page of Reddit, it's like a dot traffic sign. The weekend of the guardians of the galaxy Two release. They had yeah. group, put your seatbelt on or something. And like, they're just, Enabled to do it more and more because when it does go viral, mm-hmm. like I know the director James Gunn like posted that on his Instagram. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he posted the picture on his Instagram. Wow. But the, I mean, I guess the people at UDOT understand the concept of virality. The, uh, the, the second thing I wanted to ask about this, this, this whole conundrum is uh, if you had control of the, uh, the, the electronic message boards, what would you want to put on there? Well, what, are th- what are things that you would want to tell Utah drivers? Um, don't photograph this message. That would be the very first thing I would say. I just, but <laughs> I wanted to just say, don't photograph this message. How long before that goes up and, get, and then you see it on Reddit? 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, uh, we dox that person. Yeah. Yeah. Then we, yeah, then we dox <laughs> Then we find out who that was. The U-dot yeah. like opens up a formal investigation. Exactly. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I like it. Uh, my second one would be, you don't have to speed, but just, Please move over if you're going slow. That seems to be the main complaint. In Utah? Yeah. Yeah. Is people, is the way that people drive. It seems like nobody knows how to do it. And that's just, you know, I'm not trying to be funny. That's very serious. Please move (laughs) over. That's actually something that I wrote too. It has to do with the speed limit. So what I put was 0.05 is not the speed limit. That's perfect. Referring to the the blood alcohol content. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What's your second one? Uh, my second one is, uh, I, I want I was like maybe something a little more positive, but yeah, can take a jab at, at Utah. So a, a message that I wrote was, "Our roads are so safe. Governor Herbert wants to ban them from public schools." <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. There's a little positive message and then a little jab. My third one is Michael Jordan didn't push off. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Right, we're already. Dan's family comes from Chicago. He's a Chicago Bulls fan. Um, and I guess he's already hell bent on dividing our audience. All right, moving on to the next story. Um, this one comes from Lexi Johnson at Fox 13 news. Ogden school district announced its plan to reopen their schools this year. They're calling it the keeping Ogden healthy plan. And it outlines six points on how to, uh, keep Utah schools safe amid the pandemic. So let's break down their plan. Uh, so number one on their six point plan. All custodial staff have undergone training to thoroughly sanitize classrooms, restrooms, and high-frequency touch points multiple times per day. When I read that first point, I was like, isn't that something that should have just been done? Yeah. I wonder if they're going to be almost psychotic about it now, though. Yeah. Like, 
Like, I'm sure that maybe when do you, how much, how often do you think a playground was getting cleaned before? Like, they're going to have to clean the playground after every single use, I think. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like you have recess and it's just like, we got to play on the, the grass. Okay, number two for their uh, six point plan hand sanitizing stations will be placed throughout the building. So, again, should we have just had that before? <laughs> I think we did. Did we? Like, I could be completely wrong, but like, I feel like every classroom had a hand sanitizer. Maybe I just had s- specifically germaphobic teachers. Yeah, I, yeah, I can remember a couple of teachers that were pretty like ger- yeah. germaphobic, and understandably so. Yeah, yeah of course. Look at them now. Yeah, they were ahead of. They're like, <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> How I mean, dirty I was kids living it up. Yeah, I mean, if I was a teacher and like working around kids all day, I'd just be like spraying the classroom with hand sanitizer yeah. with a fire hose, super soaker. Um, each employee will be provided with two reusable masks and students will be trained to properly use and take care of their masks. Um, when I saw this, I was like trained properly on how to use and take care of their masks. How do they train their students? Is there going to be a, is there going to be a pep rally for masks? I'm more concerned about the two. Is that like for the whole year or is that for the quarter? Is that for the semester? That's a good point. Cause two reusable masks. If you're using those two masks. How reusable are they? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I feel like even like the cloth masks after like a quarter of school, yeah. they're going to be pretty worn down. Hopefully they're like dishwasher safe or washing <laughs> machine safe. <laughs> I mean, like that's not a bad way to wash your mask if it works though. Yeah, like just put, throw it in the dishwasher. How much class time, how much school time is just going to be spent yelling at kids to keep their masks on? Sure. I, I, just, I just think about how I was in high school. I was I was kind of an asshole in high yeah. school, and I didn't in really... high school. Uh, okay, I'm just joking. Do you think that Do you think that this might actually get people to to behave, or do you think maybe we're not giving kids enough credit? Maybe, maybe I kids believe are the children of the future. Hey, hey, preaching to the choir. I I think about how I was in high school, and I I hope kids were are better now. Lift their mask and let them lead the way. And I'd like to I'd like to think that we were better than our parents when we were in high school. I doubt it. My mom went to Catholic school. <laughs> my mom, my mom has never broken a rule. I don't think we're gonna have to talk about that when we get her on the podcast. Uh, okay, so uh, the, their next point, which I think is, I think we're down to number five. Um, all students must adhere to physical distancing by minimizing group interactions, safe transitions between classes, limiting time before and after school, and have plans for contact tracing. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean that like every any kind of group activities off the table for the school year, like prom? Uh from what I read, I went to the website and went through like all of their mm-hmm. their Q and A's and their frequently asked questions and whatnot. And it sounds like if there is a an assembly that is kind of imperative to the school, it'll be done virtually. And if it is not imperative, it will not be done. At least for now. I'm sure they're going to be, mm. you know, reassessing things at certain points in the year. But at least for now, it looks like those things will just not be happening. And those were like the, 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 the assemblies that you described that are still going to be on the board are like the worst assemblies ever. Yes. And all the fun ones. I can't think of a single there. assembly that was essential, honestly. Yeah, really. It's like it's, it's, the, it's the adolescent version of couldn't this spend an email? Yeah, <laughs> we really Truly. had to congregate for all of this, and maybe, like we were talking about with office spaces and, and and workspaces earlier, maybe this just goes to show that assemblies are kind of bullshit in the twenty first century. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Assemblies were bullshit in the 20th century. Yeah. It just took a pandemic to show us. To help support student well-being, the district will set aside specific times to build and strengthen relationships with each student by offering targeted support and surveying students to analyze their needs. So the way I read this was essentially they're going to take guidance counseling seriously this year. <laughs> so we're going to look at students, we're going to build relationships with them, and then we're going to offer them support depending on what they need. Guidance counseling. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then the last uh, point, staff will be offered well-being seminars and have check-ins with district leaders. So they're just going to keep tabs on the teachers. Yeah, they're just, that's just, that sounds like a, a punishment. You're just going to have to meet mm-hmm. with your boss more. It just seems like their workload has kind of taken on this whole new monster. Yeah. Like, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a bad job. I think it's an important job. But right now, I can imagine that a lot of teachers are quite nervous, and they're being used in ways that are, I think, really unfair. They're being used yeah. as political pawns right now. They're not really getting to make decisions. Um, it sounds like... yeah. There are probably certain cases where a teacher might be like, okay, I'm not going to be able to come in. I have, you know, an underlying condition yeah. or something. And that's that's good that they're at least going to be making exceptions, but it doesn't sound like they are in control of what they're doing too much. And that's got to feel very scary. Like I know my yeah. mom, my mom works for the Ogden School District and she will be going into school and, you know, she's nervous about it, understandably so. Yeah gonna have to deal with a bunch of kids that she doesn't know what they do outside of the school hours yeah not only that but if they like grow up if the kids like grow up in a in a household like we talked about we talked about last episode we talked about the anti-maskers and Mm -hmm. if they grow up in that household where that like masks aren't taken as seriously you know and you know it's all bullcrap and and not even as far as like it's gonna lower your immune system yeah they're probably not gonna take it very seriously at school so it's not really up to the teachers whether kids take this seriously or not they basically have postponed any decision making until August fourth. You know, everybody everybody seems to have their own agenda. People are calling teachers who don't want to go in for in person teaching lazy stuff like so that. So it's like it even teachers just, turning on each other. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Damn, it's not great for sure. So I mean, at least Ogden is they are offering online alternatives. So that's good. That's that's something that I would I, if I was in this situation, I likely would be doing online. the online yeah. thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we're going to move on now to our conversation about Pioneer Day, where it came from, why we celebrate it, and what it means today for both Mormons and non-Mormons. So I just wanted to give a little bit of background on the holiday. Uh, We dug into the Utah History Encyclopedia, where we found an article written by Stephen L. Olson, which is a really interesting book, by the way. They've completely digitized it and put it on its own website, so I highly suggest looking into it. But um, in this document, Stephen L. Olson writes, The first company of Mormon pioneers led by Brigham Young officially entered the Valley of the Great Salt Lake on the 24th of July, 1847. For Latter-day Saints, this event has come to signal the founding of a new homeland for the purpose of establishing their earthly Zion. Mormon pioneers first commemorated this new beginning in 1849. The celebration took place near the spot that Young had recently designated as the site of a future temple, the holiest place in Mormondom. In the words of sociologist Thomas Odea, Pioneer Day has become, quote, the greatest Mormon holiday. It's the only, what other, like what other holidays are there? Mormon Christmas. 
Fair. Mormon Halloween. Not real. <laughs> Pioneering ideals have remained dominant in the celebrations, but the usual theme of frontier, homeland, Zion in the tops of the mountains, and so on have been increasingly applied metaphorically to concerns and ambitions, not exclusively of the Mormons, but of the, of the wider societies in which Latter-day Saints live. In larger cities especially, the celebration has become more secular and is seen as a means of coming together and celebrating the society that has been built by Mormons and non-Mormons alike. So Do you again, get that vibe? I that's what I want to talk about. I don't particularly get that vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's, and that's what I want to talk about. So now that we know where Pioneer Day came from, yep. um, and what it means to Mormon culture, what does it mean to you, Dan, as a non-Mormon? Um, when I was younger, it meant fireworks and the possibility of going to the Ogden Rodeo. Yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of how it was for me, too. It was like bonus Independence Day. Yeah, I've always just wanted the day off, and I've never, I've never worked for someone who's exclusively local Utah, you know? That, oh, yeah, yeah. That gave me the day off. I've worked for Utah companies, but... Not ones that gave Pioneer Day. Oh, and I wish I had it. Do you, Sounds... do you have tomorrow off? No. Really? No, I don't have tomorrow off. Oh, dang. Why I, would I have tomorrow off? I have tomorrow off. I don't work for a company that's based in Utah. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah for, yeah, for me, it kind of just acted as like the part two of Independence Day. Yeah. And as far as its ties to Mormonism and Utah society, I think those things are kind of lost to time. Yeah. I don't think, other than maybe the Days of 47 Parade, which seems to be completely centered around the, the pioneering of... Covered you know, wagons and covered, all that. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think outside of that, it's kind of just like, hey, bonus long weekend. Yeah. And, you know, um, and so, I mean, how do non-Mormons celebrate Pioneer Day? What, what is our place in Pioneer Day? Not to say, not to like victimize non-Mormons. It's like, we don't have our holiday. <laughs> I like having a day off and I appreciate Mormons and everything they've done for our society. But like, how do non-Mormons celebrate? Like pie and beer day, I guess is the answer. You know, that's how, how it seems like most non-Mormons celebrate it. I think pie and beer day is, it's one of those things that I kind of cringe at with Mormon or not Mormon, sorry, with Utah culture Yeah, is like, there's this constant counterculture that always has to be pushing against, Yeah, you know, the Mormon culture. True. And I'm not necessarily of the opinion that people who are non-Mormon and live in Utah constantly have to be raging against the Mormon machine, you know? Yeah. And it kind of feels like that. It's like, oh, we got, we got our thing. They got their thing. Um, that being said, I do love pie and I do love beer. And mm -hmm. I think it does provide these kind of unique opportunities. Like, I, I feel like almost every brewery in the state has some kind of pie and beer type thing. Sure. Like, it's become kind of a cultural thing here in, in Utah. But I guess, and maybe this sounds like kind of cheesy, but in kind of digging into this topic and thinking about it a lot, I do think it kind of like splits the community a little bit uh -huh. to where it's like, you know, Mormons can do their thing and we can do our things. So what I want to know is like, can Pioneer Day be more representative of Utah society as a whole, or should it just kind of be a Mormon thing kind of tucked away? I think it's fine to let it be a Mormon thing. It's, you mm -hmm. know, like, it is what it is, and, you know, I don't have any problem with, you know, members of the LDS Church having 
kind of their independence thanksgiving and yeah uh, what was the third birth halloween birthday uh <laughs> all in one day that's you know that's totally fine with me personally like i grew up in other you know as a, as a catholic and so i know other mm-hmm. christian sects have you know palm wednesday or palm sunday yeah. and good friday and mm-hmm. ash wednesday and all of these days you know that are like, all right, I got to take a day off work, got to take a half day off of work to go to mass to get yeah. get the ash on my forehead and like let them have it, I guess. I don't I don't have any qualms with them, with them having yeah. Pioneer Day for themselves. You know, and if you want to celebrate in that culture, go ahead. I guess I I guess what I what I like in envision mm-hmm. and I'm kind of fantasizing here because I like the idea of a state holiday where we could just like have a huge blowout. Sure. And the way that I would like, I, I would think of, of it going down is like, if, what if we could have like a celebration in Salt Lake City the weekend, either before or after we ha- we designate Pioneer Day weekend and we have kind of like a huge festival blowout for like yeah. the entire state of Utah, blows downtown off to everyone, set a perimeter. So it's like, you know, I, like the, the area of downtown that they block off is all walking traffic and we can have stages set up everywhere. If we have this state holiday where we're going to celebrate Utah society, why just like have a parade? Like that's like, we can still have the parade, but let's do something cool where we can bring everyone together where we can, you know, Mormons and non-Mormons alike can get together and have this gigantic celebration of Utah, you know? And maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just fantasizing. Maybe we, maybe instead of basing it around Pioneer Day, we just like every year when the McRib comes back, that's <laughs> when we really celebrate. <laughs> that's Mormons and non-Mormons yeah. both like Diet Coke. We That's true. figure out something to do there. It'd be Diet Coke days. Diet Coke days. Di- downtown Diet Coke days. Not, not, I don't hate it. All the cocktails are made out of Diet Coke, or you just have... Diet Coke? Just Diet Coke. And Mormons and non-Mormons Mormons alike can celebrate. Um, but yeah, I think it would be cool to have like a, like kind of an, an epicenter celebration in downtown Salt Lake where everyone from Utah can kind of gather for a weekend. I do too. Like, and I maybe, and again, maybe it's, maybe I got COVID brain and I'm just like, let's get everyone together. I, I want to fantasize yeah. about a time where we can all be together again. I don't know. Do you have any other ideas for uh, Pioneer Day traditions that we could create? Yes. The, uh, fry sauce chugathon. <laughs> so it's just, it's almost like a hot dog eating contest, oh, no. uh, but it's with fry sauce and you have to chug it and the winner gets $47. <laughs> How much fry sauce is the chug though? Are we talking a gallon? I didn't think this far ahead. I, just thought, <laughs> I thought $47 was perfect. Yeah. It's the days of 47, you know? I, if I chugged a gallon of fry sauce and walked away with $47, I feel like most of that would be going towards like either a medical bill or like toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair. Fry sauce flip cup. There you go. Yeah. There, I love yeah. that. I love because that. Because when you play flip cup with beer, you're drinking something you like. Yeah. And have been drinking all night, and it's fun. You just have to chug it fast. Adds a whole new. It th- throws a wrench into the game. You have to chug Absolutely. fry sauce. It's thick, and it, it would. It, that's that's part of the challenge. Have you ever chugged syrup? Have you ever done the syrup? Uh uh-uh. uh I've taken one. Like I took. I took like a shot of maple syrup in uh-huh. like junior high. Yeah, and it made me throw up. Like was it ba- was it because of the sweetness or the texture? Or like it's I think it's a bit a bit of both. Yeah, like it is. It's thick and hard to kind of just like shoot it back like that, and then it's just so sweet. Ugh. I just remember I, it made me feel so warm, and then I threw up. I, I remember the cinnamon thing, and but that's oh, not like a taste. That. And like cinnamon's not bad in 
huge quantities. It's just like dust and it yeah. dries out your mouth and then you just cough. And then you have respiratory problems. Worse, That's yeah. how COVID started Jesus. is the cinnamon challenge. <laughs> People got lung infections and then it spread from the cinnamon challenge. Um, so that remains to be seen. The fry sauce challenge, the, ch- the, the fry sauce chugathon. Maybe, maybe that's something we can put on the back burner until next year. And maybe mm-hmm. when we have the website going and we're doing more video content, we can have our own uh, Pioneer Day Fry Sauce Flip fry Cup sauce Chugathon. So let's finish this segment off with some fun facts about Pioneer Day. So uh, we both did a little digging into, into fun facts about Pioneer Day. The first one that I found, um, Pioneer Day has the second, and this kind of ties in with our UDOT yeah. uh, uh, conversation from earlier, but Pioneer Day has the second highest number of traffic fatalities throughout the year in Utah. Do you know what the first is? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I didn't put it in the prep. I, the, I yeah. uh, whenever the McRib comes. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined like cars full of people just going towards McDonald's and piling up. Absolutely. <laughs> what is it though? The 4th of July. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 4th of July. Yeah. That's interesting. So July has the highest traffic fatalities. I wonder how COVID's going to like affect those numbers this year. Yeah. Okay. Other, other, other Pioneer Day fun facts. Carl Malone's birthday. Really? Carl Malone's birthday. Yeah. I had no idea. Absolutely. Do you think he celebrates by going to the Days of 47 parade? Absolutely. He does. Yes. Carl Malone loves the Days of 47 parade. (laughs) Also our friend Katie's birthday. Happy birthday, Katie. And Zach Child's birthday. And Zach Child's birthday. Happy birthday. Damn. A lot of, lot of nice Utahns, although I'm sure Carl Malone's not actually a Utah, but hey. Nah. Does he still live here? I have no idea what Carl Malone's up to. We're going to check in with Carl Malone, see he's, if we can get him on the next podcast. He's still crying from those two finals appearances he lost. Oh, here uh, we go. Here we go. Uh, also kind of digging into the, the uh, Utah History Encyclopedia where we kind of found that background on Pioneer Day. There was another interesting thing in there that I found that said... Uh, um, the 1886 celebration was particularly poignant as Mormons, or Mormonism faced anti-polygamy persecutions. That's when people's society as a whole started putting the hammer down on, on polygamy. And usually they would drape Temple Square in all these colorful decorations. But that year, in 1886, during Pioneer Day, they just draped it in black yeah, because they were eulogizing pioneers and church leaders who were hiding. The choir well, as well. Yeah, yeah. At, they were hiding or in prison because of their quote unquote unlawful cohabitation. <laughs> so is it in quotes on the website? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In the web, that's why I think you don't okay. get to just use quotes however you feel. Yeah. You know, unlawful cohabitation. I'm pretty sure it was. It's good to know that even even uh, pioneer day Mormons could pour one out for you know <laughs> the people that were suffering. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Um, and then my uh, my last fun fact. So this is the interruption of the 10th anniversary. So in 1857, you know, several thousand Mormons gathered in the mountains east of Salt Lake City for the 10th anniversary of the founding of their Western Zion. And in context of in the context of one of the largest and most exuberant public displays of Mormonism to date. The celebrants became aware of the approach of Johnston's army, which initiated the tense but essentially nonviolent Utah war, which sounds perfect for a Utah war. Tense, not violent. Yeah, very tense, but not violent. A lot of passive aggressivism. So what a buzzkill for yeah, that. Uh, absolutely. 18th. The 10th anniversary, unbelievable stuff. 
Anyway, that's going to do it for uh, today's episode of the Holy Hive Show. Hope everyone had a safe and festive Pioneer or Pioneer Day. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, tell your friends, tell your family about the show. Follow us on Instagram at Holy Hive Utah. And sign up for the weekly newsletter at holyhiveutah.com. See you later. Peace. Thank you.